The Gonzaga basketball offseason is here, and we look at the six biggest storylines to track as we head into the spring and summer months, including which conference the Zags are going to be in. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Well, today's show, we are taking a look at six different storylines we expect to be big conversations throughout this upcoming offseason. We're going to take two in each segment, talking about returners and what kind of role they might have next year, talking about the transfer portal, the incoming recruits who are joining the team for the first time next year, which players may return, which players may leave, and of course, Conference realignment, because that is the biggest story right now around the Gonzaga basketball program after their unfortunate loss to UConn before making it to the Final Four. So we're going to start there. And and I want this show to be not necessarily answering all of these questions because it's just a few days from when Gonzaga season ended, but mostly just talking about what this storyline might look like, how it might develop over the offseason, sort of a, a, a preview of offseason content here on Locked on Zags, if you will indulge me on that. So We'll start, of course, with conference realignment, which I expect to be a very heavy talking point throughout this spring and summer, potentially into the fall, depending on on kind of how things shake out. Right now, the latest things that we have heard is that the Big 12 rumors are heating up. They continue to be heating up. They have been heating up for a long time. We have heard that Gonzaga being announced to the Big 12 or getting a formal invitation to the Big 12 is something that could happen imminently. We have heard it as soon as right after the season ends, which hasn't happened yet, uh, right after the entire college basketball season ends at the end of the academic school year, something like that. I am less optimistic. I'm a bit more skeptical on the timeline. To be clear, I'm not really that skeptical about it happening. People saying, hey, the Zags going to the Big 12 is going to happen. Like, I, I'm not 100% certain of that. Nobody, I, I believe, is 100% certain of that. I do think that it is probably a move that is going to happen. From what we have heard, the Big 12 is kind of the only conference that is really offering Gonzaga the opportunity to take all of their programs and move them to the Big 12. And I think that's a deal breaker. As far as I have read, nobody has explicitly stated that that is a deal breaker. Athletic Director Chris Standiford, GU President Thane McCullough, Mark Few, Brett Yormark, the Commissioner of the Big 12, nobody has said that this is necessarily a deal breaker. But as I have said on this podcast before and will continue to reiterate, the WCC is not going to continue to house Gonzaga's other athletic programs. Baseball, soccer, tennis, volleyball, rowing, any of those other sports that exist If Gonzaga were to go to the WCC and say, hey, we're taking our basketball programs and we are moving them to the Big 12, but we would like you to continue to be where we, you know, have our baseball, all those other sports. There's no real incentive for the WCC to say yes to that. And I don't think that they would. And so I think Gonzaga would then be in a situation where they would have to find another conference to relocate the rest of their programs. Think about the headache that that would cause. First of all, if you try to go to Mark Matcalf or, or your soccer coaches or anybody else who especially is 
teams that are having success, like the baseball programs, like the soccer programs, like the volleyball programs, and tell them, hey, we're moving you to the WAC or the Big Sky or whatever other conference it would be, because there are conferences that would accept Gonzaga's non-basketball programs, certainly, but they would not be comparable to the WCC. The Mountain West is not going to do it. Uh, you know, and certainly, you know, these other power conferences, if they're not going to do it, then I, I, I don't see a, a, a really compelling reason for Gonzaga to make this move. There are a lot of compelling reasons for Gonzaga to go to the Big 12. And if the Big 12 wasn't an option, there'd be compelling reasons for them to go to the Big East or the Pac-12. But I don't know if those reasons would outweigh the headache of having to figure out you know, relocating all of your other programs, changing their schedules, changing their lives, all of that stuff in a way that it just wouldn't make sense. If the Big 12 says we'll take everybody and all of a sudden Gonzaga's baseball program is now a Big 12 program. Gonzaga's soccer programs are now Big 12 soccer programs. Same with volleyball. And, and I haven't looked into all the details of every sport that is covered in every conference. And certainly there's the potential for some overlap where Gonzaga has programs that perhaps the Big 12 doesn't offer. Maybe they have to figure out another place to house those. Those kind of logistics can get ironed out later and are probably not necessarily deal breakers. But I do think that getting all of the programs is something that we want to see. If the Big 12 is willing to do that, which by all accounts they are, then I think that this is going to happen. Will it be announced before the end of April? I don't know. Will it be more like late June when we got the announcement about UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten? That would be more of my guess. But there's a lot of people who think that the, the momentum, the helium here is coming even sooner than that. So without a doubt, Big 12, huge conversation for the offseason. If it does get announced before the start of the next season, we will have loads and loads and loads of content breaking down the individual matchups it creates the tv revenue the deals what, what it does to gonzaga from a a um just perception perspective uh, around the media what it does for mark few's legacy all of that stuff and thousands of other things that i'm not even thinking about right now will be discussed if that ends up happening the second huge storyline for the offseason for the zags the stay-or-go situation for three key players, Julian Strother, Anton Watson, Malachi Smith. I am lumping them all together because I do not view any of them as necessarily transfer risks. Could, of course, be wrong. Any of those three players could, in theory, enter the transfer portal. I would be surprised, quite surprised, honestly, if any of them did. But I think there are more likely options to leave for professional opportunities. Julian Strother seems like a very obvious candidate to go to the NBA draft. I think he is going to test out the waters and he is going to go through the process like he did last year. Last year, he tested very well, but he did not participate in any of the scrimmages. This year, if he tests well, if his, uh, his, his length, his, his height, his measurements, everything else from an athletic perspective test well and he does well in the scrimmages, you're looking at a, I've talked about Julian Strother's draft potential on this podcast before, and I will talk about it multiple times again between now and that draft in June, but he fits the archetype that teams really like in the NBA. He can shoot threes. He's a big bodied wing. He can play solid defense. Like I think he's going to be an NBA player. And I think there's a fairly good chance we have seen the last of him in a Gonzaga uniform. Anton Watson, less confident about. I don't think that the NBA profile is there quite yet. I think it's possible for him to return to Gonzaga and build that up. We talked about this. Anton Watson was an 11% three-point shooter his freshman year at Gonzaga last year. Kind of quietly, he shot 33%. And he got a lot of attention for his inability to shoot free throws. And that was a, a significant problem for Watson last year. But with his high level of defense, 
with his emerging offensive game as a low post scorer and now at least some competence as an outside shooter. He's six foot eight. He's 240 pounds. He's strong. He's physical. He's an elite defensive player. I think that the path is potentially there, but it's not there yet. So to me, a return to Gonzaga makes a lot of sense. He could be the featured offensive player, the leading scorer, at least the leading post player, the leading offensive scorer as a post player for Gonzaga. He's from Spokane. He went to Gonzaga prep. The NIL opportunities will be there for him without a doubt. I think he comes back, but that's a huge storyline for the Zags. Malachi Smith, a lot of the same situations we saw with Rasir Bolton last year. I had no expectation that Rasir Bolton was going to come back to Gonzaga, and then he did. Malachi Smith, same situation. He has another year of eligibility. He is more than capable of using that. I don't think he would transfer because I think he's going to be faced with, and if I'm Mark Few and the staff, if they believe in him, I think they're saying to him, look, come back, be our starting shooting guard because you clearly were the best guard in the NCAA tournament without a doubt there. Be our starting guy, average 15 points a game because that that might get you looks from NBA teams or at least a much better contract overseas than you might've gotten otherwise. So those three players all leave. Gonzaga's got a lot of holes to fill. Those three players all come back. And suddenly even a team without Drew Timmy looks like they're going to be in contention yet again. So that's going to be a huge conversation for the Zags. And we mentioned the transfer portal and guess what? The transfer portal, always, always a storyline in college sports. That's no different for the Zags. What will the transfer portal mean for Gonzaga's offseason? More on that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is almost over, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Check out the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast for more updates on the upcoming lines for the final three college basketball games of the season. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags here in segment two. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day for your second listen today check out the locked on college basketball podcast it's still my voice since my co-host isaac shade talking every single day about the ncaa tournament coaching carousel transfer portal news all of the stuff that you need to keep you informed on this beautiful game of college basketball that we all love you can find it wherever you get podcasts you can find it on youtube as well all right two more storylines that i want to go over for the zags in this upcoming offseason both of them regarding the transfer portal effectively Will anyone transfer out? Will, he, will anyone transfer in? That's what I want to talk about here. We'll start with will anybody transfer out? And I want to say this right at the top here. I am not going to speculate about players who may leave this program. I have done that in the past, and I have decided that that was not a good idea. So I want to apologize for having done that previously and basically say that until a player has officially put their name in the transfer portal, if it happens... I will not be discussing individual names. There are players on this roster, and many of you are thinking of specific ones, 
who, based on playing time and based on other factors, people will assume could pursue the transfer portal. Until they do that, I'm not going to discuss that as an option. What I will say is that Gonzaga has been very has not been affected very much by the transfer portal in a negative way thus far. Now, the actual era of the transfer portal where players can transfer penalty-free hasn't been, been around for very long, so it's, it's, it's hard to say, but Gonzaga does a good job of recruiting players who tend to not be as flighty. And I don't want to say that, I, I don't want that to sound negative because I think a lot of players transfer for very good reasons and I don't want to diminish the players who do. But I think for the most part, Gonzaga has avoided getting players into the program. The players who come to Gonzaga often are seem well aware of their, their status in the program, when they're going to play, when they're not going to play. They don't seem to be so surprised that they end up transferring out of frustration of, hey, I didn't play as much as I thought, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't mean it won't happen. That doesn't mean it won't happen this offseason. That doesn't mean it won't happen a week from now. A few days from now, we could see names enter the transfer portal. It could totally happen. And if it does... We're absolutely going to talk about it, but I can only think of three transfers out of Gonzaga where I distinctly think that the Zags would have preferred to keep said player, unquestionably. One of them was Grant Gibbs, who was homesick and left Gonzaga to go to Creighton and play with Doug McDermott and, of course, Coach Greg McDermott and had a very, very successful career with the Blue Jays. One of them was Ryan Spangler, who, if I'm remembering correctly, was also homesick and wanted to go back home towards uh, the Midwest, went to Oklahoma, had a very successful career as there. I suspect Gonzaga would have preferred to keep both of those players. The third is, of course, Umar Balo, who we've talked about on this podcast before as, as a, a very obvious transfer candidate, and it had nothing to do with Gonzaga. He hurt his wrist. He didn't play as much as he wanted to play. His coach, the player who had been recruiting him since he was a teenager, Tommy Lloyd, took a new job at Arizona. Balo saw Chet Holmgren get recruited and a commit to Gonzaga and thought, well, I'm not going to play next year behind Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. The person who I'm most connected with at this university is gone. They're at a different school. They're op offering me an opportunity to come in and potentially play big minutes for a power five program under the coach that I like. I don't think that Balo's decision to transfer had anything negative about Gonzaga. It just made sense. And look at the success that he's having. Totally makes sense that that happened. Aaron Cook, I think you could kind of count. He did transfer to Georgia. I think most people expected that he was done with his collegiate career. So it was a bit of a surprise to see him go somewhere else. Would he have been nice to have on that 21-22 uh, seat team? Sure, of course. But I don't think that that was as significant of a deal. So yes, we could see players transfer out of this, out of the, off this team this year. If we do, it's obvious, obviously going to be a significant talking point on the podcast. Then, of course, there's the flip side of that. Who are the Zags going to add? Because as much as the Zags haven't lost a lot of players to transfers, they've brought in a whole heck of a lot of them. Mark Few, as he so often is, was ahead of the curve here. He identified the ability to bring in transfers who could immediately impact your program and did it better than anybody. Some of them were sit-out transfers. I mean, you can go all the way back to Dan Dickow, J.P. Batista, guys who, who did it a long time ago. You, you come back to the more recent times, you can look at Brandon Clark, a sit-out transfer who was elite. Nigel Williams-Goss, sit-out transfer who was elite. Jonathan Williams, sit-out transfer who was elite. Kyle Wilcher, sit-out transfer who was elite. Like, they have done this exceedingly well. And then when they found they could, find, they could get guys who didn't have to sit out, the graduate transfer rules, man, they exploited the heck out of that. Ryan Woolridge, Admon Gilder. 
Gino Crandall, Jordan Matthews hit one of the biggest shots in program history, Byron Wesley, an underrated Zag who was excellent in a season where Gonzaga really needed him to be excellent. They have found these players at a really high rate in this program. Now they can just add anybody. And they have. They have been doing that. Efton Reed, tremendous addition. Rasir Bolton, tremendous addition. This program, Malachi Smith, tremendous addition. Like the, This program has done this at an elite level. Who they will add this year via the portal is really dependent on who leaves. Not necessarily who leaves via the portal, but who leaves out of that trio of Malachi Smith and Anton Watson and Julian Strother. If all three of them come back and the Zags leave, lose nobody to the portal, I don't know that all of that is necessarily all that likely. But if we're assuming that Drew Team and Rasir Bolton are the only definitive people leaving this program, and they do, and nobody else does, it'll be interesting to see what Gonzaga does do via the portal. Because it not only depends on that, it also depends on how the staff feels about some of the younger players, the incoming freshmen, guys who didn't play last year. We're going to talk more about all of those guys in the final segment of the show. But if Mark Few feels that Dusty Stromer should play 18, 20, 25 minutes a game next year, if he feels somewhat similarly about uh, the young Korean kid, uh, young Suk, Yoon Suk-yo, then I think that they might not do as much in the portal. The big man area is, is something I'm concerned about because you lose Drew Timmy. And yes, you have Ben Gregg, you have Efton Reed, you potentially have Anton Watson. If all three of those guys return, you have a really good crop of posts to play from. You also have Braden Huff and Caden Perry, who we will speak about at the end of the show. But I still think you want to add something there. Maybe it's a rim protector. Maybe it's a guy who, who you envision starting and playing 30 minutes a game, like a Dawes Amac, like a Graham Ike from Wyoming. There's a, there's a handful of options out there. Maybe you don't do that. You expect Efton Reed to take the starting role there. Or, or if Anton Watson comes back, you start Watson and Greg. I think that would be a very fantastic front court to start with. Have Reed off the bench. Have another big in, kind of filling in that role as well. So they have a lot of options. I expect Gonzaga's name to be attached to a whole bunch of very good transfers this offseason because guess what? Gonzaga's name is always attached to a whole bunch of good transfers every offseason. They don't land all of them. They don't land most of them. But every year they seem to land at least one or two of them. And I expect that to be a case again this season. Where those players play and what their role is next year will depend on a lot of other things. That's the fun of the college basketball offseason. Well, final segment of the show, of course, we're talking about the incoming freshmen or incoming players, what their role might look like next year, and of course, what's going to happen to those two bigs, Caden Perry and Braden Huff, coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags, and we're closing out the show with a couple of more, a couple more storylines that we're expecting to talk about at length throughout the offseason. Like I said, this is kind of just a primer of what offseason content is going to look like here on the Locked On Zags podcast. The Zags have three players coming in next year. Dusty Stromer, high-level freshman coming from Sierra Canyon, or excuse me, coming from Notre Dame High School, uh, top 50 prospect in the class, guy who I think is expected to play significant minutes. You have Alex Tui from the NBA Global Academy in Australia. We kind of know a, a little bit less about him at this point and kind of what his status is going to be. And then, of course, you have Yo, the Korean kid, 21-year-old, uh, joined the program in the midway through the season and hasn't played, has been, I don't think is eligible to play or at least was not, is not playing, let's put it that way, but will is expected to play as soon as the fall. So, We'll start with Stromer. Again, I think the expectation is that he's going to play right away. 
How much kind of remains to be seen. Of course, it, it, it depends. In this case, it depends a lot on Strother and Smith. If both those guys are gone, I think Dusty Stromer is going to play significant minutes. Nolan Hickman, we're expecting back. Hunter Salas, we're expecting back. Dominic Harris, we're expecting back. Of course, anything could change there. But if all those guys are back, even if Smith and Strother are gone, you, you then need more. I would expect the Zags would hit the portal hard if they lose both Strother and Smith and they'll add some kind of wing in there. But maybe it's a wing who who doesn't play 32 minutes a game. Maybe it's a, a lower level wing, in which case maybe you you then have Dusty Stromer play even a starting role. I think it's possible he starts next year. My guess is no. My guess is either Smith or Strother return, take, take a starting role, and Dusty plays like a seventh, eighth man off the bench, maybe eight, 10, maybe 15 minutes per game. But this is an entire guess coming at you in March. We have a long way until the season, a lot of roster changes that are going to happen. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. But I expect out of this group, Stromer is the player that I expect to play the most. But Yo is a huge mystery. Stephen Carr, former host of the Locked On Zags podcast, currently works in the Gonzaga Athletic Department. He tweeted recently that it's Yo season and he's hyped about him. And you know what? Stephen knows his stuff. So if he is very, very hyped about Yo and what he brings to this team, count me on board. Count me interested in, in what this could be. And again, I mentioned already, he's 21. He's not an 18-year-old kid. He's more mature physically. He's more mature mentally. He, you know, He's still adjusting, of course, to, to moving from a different country. That always takes a little bit of time. We saw that with Rui and, and, and how long it took him to really acclimate to Gonzaga's offense and the style of basketball here. And of course, just being in a different country, learning the language, all of that stuff. I think that's what makes Yo getting to be here for an extra semester so valuable. He's been around the team. He's traveled with the team. We see him on the bench at every single game. He's there. He's active. He's engaged. He's talking to players. He's learning the game. He's watching how Gonzaga basketball operates. It's hard for me to not think that that's going to make him immediately more impactful on the basketball court. What does that mean for his role next year? Again, it's the same as I said with Dusty. It depends. I think Yo is a bit more of a 4-3 hybrid. He's about 6-8. He's a little bit more of that Strother-Kispert mold. Having not seen a ton of his game outside of some FIBA highlights, I don't know exactly what role he would fill on the actual court, but I expect that to be his positional role, if that makes sense. And that's the same for Alex Tui, which is what's going to be interesting. I don't think there's playing time for all three of these guys. I'm not sure that there's consistent playing time for even two of these guys. So one of these guys is probably not playing much at all next year. Could potentially be a redshirt situation. Here on March 27th, as I'm recording this, March 28th, as you're listening, my guess is that Tui is the player who is probably playing the least out of this group. But that's with with limited knowledge other than what we've seen from these guys from a recruiting perspective, what we've heard from recruiting analysts who have watched them, and just kind of knowing the, the, the general framework of what Gonzaga's roster is going to look like next year. Tui is a little bit bigger. He's, he's again, more of that 4-3 hybrid player. He's a good outside shooter. Uh, I think a guy who, who could fill a Corey Kispert-type role for this program eventually, not necessarily banking on that in year one, but again, that's that's the mystery. That's what's going to be fun about this offseason is trying to speculate and, and you know get nuggets, get tidbits of information about these guys, see them when we do. And then, of course, we'll get into craziness and in the start of the season and we'll get a much better picture of of where these guys are going to be on this roster. Final storyline of, of course, many storylines that are going to be. I want to be clear. I'm labeling six storylines here. There's going to be a lot more. 
And I already said this before, but we're not just talking men's basketball this offseason either. We'll talk women's basketball. We'll talk baseball. We'll talk pro zags, NBA zags, all of that good stuff. But when we're talking men's basketball, I expect these to be the primary conversation topics. And the final one here is what is the situation with Caden Perry and Braden Huff? Because they did not play this year. They're two of very few scholarship players on Gonzaga's roster who did not play. Braden Huff redshirted. It's very clear. In fact, he posted on Instagram shortly after the season ended, like red shirt deactivated, like I'm unleashed. I'm ready to go. So he's in, he's ready. He's here. He's rolling. He's not entering the transfer portal. At least I, he, I suppose he could, but the expectation is that he is not uh, his Instagram indicated, like I'm ready to, to, to not be on the bench anymore. I'm ready to play basketball. And I, I don't see any reason why Huff can't com- contend to be that fourth big. Uh, and that's with the assumption that Watson comes back. Ben Gregg is here. Efton Reed is here. Braden Huff competes for that fourth big spot. If Watson leaves, of course, that leaves potential more playing time for Braden Huff, depending on who they bring in via the transfer portal. Of course, who knows what's exactly going to happen with Ben Gregor, Efton Reed. I don't see any reason why those two guys would not be back, but you never know. For me, I think Huff's going to compete for fourth big minutes. I don't think that the Zags would have brought him in and had him sit for a year with the intention of not really playing him going forward. Now, fourth big used to be a bigger role at Gonzaga. I remember Killian Tilly when he was a freshman that year that the Zags went to the national championship game in 2017. Killian Tilly was the fourth big. He was clearly behind Shamit Karnowski, Jonathan Williams, and Zach Collins. And Tilly played about 12 minutes per game. Fourth bigs are not doing that anymore at Gonzaga. Part of that is because they've played more small lineups like they did with Corey Kispert in particular at the four. They didn't do it as much with Julian Strother this year, but they ran Drew Timmy and Anton Watson out there a lot. Ben Gregg was the third big. Efton Reed was the fourth big. He did not play 12 minutes per game like Killian Tilly did. He didn't play even close to that this year. So while I think Huff could be the fourth big for Gonzaga next year, that's not exactly a super significant role depending on injuries and and various other things throughout the season. But I'm excited to to get more of a look at him than we've had in the past, at least. And then there's Caden Perry. I had a few folks ask me about this on Twitter. It did not appear that Caden Perry traveled with the team to Las Vegas. He was not in some of the pictures that we saw. I have not heard anything definitive about this, so I do not know. If he did not travel, I don't think it's a sign that he has been removed from the team or anything like that. It could just be that there are travel limitations because he was not going to play. They they chose to take you know the other walk-ons who, in theory, if a game went into a bunch of overtimes, there's a whole bunch of players fouled out. Like You might need Colby Brooks. You might need Abe Eagle. But you're not going to use Caden Perry if he's unable to play because of injury, which is what we are assuming. College athletes, college athletics, they don't really have to give you a lot of information about injuries. Professional sports, they have rules. They have to tell you certain things. College, they don't really. And I don't blame coaching staffs for not revealing that. Why would you? It doesn't matter. You don't need to talk about that. But what we know is that Caden Perry doesn't appear to be healthy. He had a significant back injury towards the the second half of his high school, his senior season of high school. It slowed his start at Gonzaga. He only played in eight games as a freshman. Part of that was back injuries. Part of that was ankle injuries. He He was just banged up. And then coming into this year, we never he never really got off the ground. We never really got an opportunity to see him. I hope that that changes. The athleticism that we saw from him in high school, he got Brandon Clark comparisons for a reason. He was the second highest rated player in the state of Washington uh, in his class, his graduating class behind Paolo Bancaro. This, this young man can really play. He's a shot blocker. He's a high energy guy, scorer around the rim. He actually would fill a role that Gonzaga could really use next year if he was 100% healthy. 
I am skeptical that that is something we will see. I hope that I am wrong more than almost anything. I hope that Caden Perry is able to play basketball, whether it's at Gonzaga, whether it's somewhere else. I don't really envision him entering the transfer portal right now because I don't think there would be a, a lot of interest just because the, nobody knows his health situation better than Gonzaga's athletic training staff. So leaving seems kind of silly, but I hope he can get back on the court. I'm not super optimistic because when you don't hear anything about a player's health for an entire year, that tends to not be a good thing, but it's a, it's a storyline to follow because a healthy Caden Perry contends with Braden Huff for those minutes at the fourth big uh, push. I mean, he, he pushes Ben Gregg. I, I don't think he's going to pass Ben Gregg, especially not with the way that he played. He might push Efton Reed a little bit though, as well. Like a healthy Caden Perry, if he shows up and is that guy changes the dynamics for Gonzaga's front court in a not insignificant way. So that's a storyline to watch as well, because Braden, Braden Huff and Caden Perry probably both aren't going to play minutes next year. And I think it's more likely that neither of them do than both of them do. But there's a fair chance that one of them does. And depending on health for Perry, depending on development for Huff, it's kind of hard to know who that is going to be. So another storyline for us to follow as we get into the offseason. All right, that is going to do it for me today. I had a lot of fun with this. I really enjoy getting a chance to kind of preview what this offseason is going to look like. As I said on Monday's episode as well, Locked on Zags, we're not going anywhere. Five days a week, every week. From now until November, we might take a few weeks where we're a little bit lower, but we're going to be a whole bunch of content coming your way here. Uh, and, and I'd love your thoughts, your input, your suggestions, conversations you want me to have, topics you want me to discuss, all of that good stuff. Again, we got transfer portal news. We got NBA draft updates, uh, coaching changes, anything else that might happen around college basketball's landscape, pro zags, NBA zags, college baseball, zags in the MLB, like everything. Courtney Vandersloot updates throughout the WNBA season, her first year with the New York Liberty. Like we're going to cover all of it. And I'm super excited to get that coming your way starting this week. All right. That again is going to do it for me today. So check out the podcast on YouTube. If you haven't done so yet, go hit that subscribe button. Follow us on Twitter. Find the Locked On College Basketball podcast as well. That's also not going away five days a week throughout the off season covering this entire beautiful sport that we all love. So go follow that on YouTube as well. All right. Thank you all for listening and go Zags.